Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Tabitha Schieber about helping entrepreneurial leadership teams get traction in their business. Tabitha Shiva, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from the St. Louis, Missouri area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about helping entrepreneurial leadership teams get traction in their business. This is part of a broader entrepreneurial series that I've been doing as of late, talking with different experts around funding and uh, startup teams and and effective leadership of um, uh, entrepreneurial endeavors, especially as you're going through those early stages and then scaling. And I think this uh, will be a great conversation as we explore this topic together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Tabitha's bio with everybody. Tabitha Shiver is COO and EOS implementer. Her first entrepreneurial venture left her frustrated and burnt out. She knew there had to be a better way and pursued a certification from PMI.org, which led to consulting entrepreneurial leadership teams on process and change management. Since then, Tabitha has helped more than 15 businesses in a variety of industries understand the importance of people, process, and data to drive from vision down to execution. And I could really go on and on, Tabitha, but I'm going to pause there, give you a chance now to share with the listeners anything else you would like them to know specifically about you and your background, and then we'll dive on into the broader conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the f- biggest thing I want everyone to know is like anything that I share is generally from experience, um, not theory, because I have literally, I think in uh, a very short amount of time, done every version of entrepreneurship that I can think of. Um, I have a uh, experience running a business for somebody else, being a CEO with a private equity backed company. I have started my own company, uh, bootstrapped it. I have a partner company that I, um, we went and got some funding. And so uh, everything that I share with you is just to say, I've been in your shoes (laughs) And, uh, you know, you learn best sort of from the, the school of hard knocks sometimes. Um, and then I try to very intelligently um, combine that with the certifications and the training. And so um, I'll, I'll, I'll speak, I guess, from both sides of the table. Yeah, excellent. And it, it really is wonderful to have all of that lived experience and that lived expertise to go along with the formal certifications and, and formal education pieces 
the two really can and should go hand in hand. Uh, I'm a big yeah. believer in um, reskilling and upskilling through credentialing and university studies as appropriate and all those sorts of things. But there's also no substitute for just the school of hard knocks and just getting out there and trying things and seeing what works and what doesn't and learning and iterating and growing. Um, so all of that, I think, is fantastic in your background. And I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me and share your insights with me and my audience today. So again, today we're going to be talking about helping entrepreneurial leadership teams get traction in their business. There's a lot of different ways we could approach this, a lot of different angles, I think. Um, let's start with this, this idea around hitting the ceiling and what small business owners can do about that. What do you mean by hitting the ceiling? Why uh, is that such a common experience? And how can these, these small businesses, these startups, these entrepreneurial leadership teams, how can they really try to address that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've probably all experienced hitting the ceiling. We just haven't had words to put to it. So I'm hoping we're creating some common terminology and language here. The sense of hitting the ceiling is just um, like you're butting up against a, a barrier. And so um, it happens organizationally, it can happen departmentally, or it can happen personally. And so when you start to feel that sense of, okay, what was working before is no longer working means that there's some room for opportunity of growth. And you got to figure out, is it, is it growth within yourself or within, you know, the people people that you're leading. Um, and so that's just, that's really the concept of hitting the ceiling. Have you ever experienced that, John? Sure. And an, another way I think about it, and sometimes I use the description of like banging my head against the wall, like you just get to a certain point where you're, you've gone about as far as you can go doing it the way you've been doing it. Um, and like you said, that can happen within a, a large corporation as you're trying to work, you know, across uh, functional areas and with different cross-functional teams and you're butting up against policies or procedures that are hindering your ability. It certainly can happen in the entrepreneurial space as you're trying to, to bring value to the market and trying to iterate, you know, with, with the, uh, the product or service development uh, and offerings that you have. Um, sometimes that frustration is just, you know, I'm butting my head up against the wall because of policies or practices. Other times it's because you, you've run out the life cycle of whatever, thing you were doing, whatever the initiative was, the program or the product. Uh, and now it's time to pivot and do something different. There's a lot of different reasons why we hit that ceiling or we, you know, we yes. butt up against the wall. Uh, but I've certainly experienced that. And that's very frustrating. And you do have a choice at that point. You either can get really discouraged and frustrated and throw your hands up in the air and say, well, this isn't working, I'm done. Uh, or you can step back and really take a strategic look at things and try to figure out, okay, well, what what relationships are really important right now to help me get past this stage? Uh, what new skills or competencies or capabilities do I need to develop in myself so I'm ready to move past this stage? Um, who are the key stakeholders I need to be connecting with to get past this stage? Whatever, right? There's a lot of different yeah. ways we can approach it. I've definitely experienced that. Yeah, and the most frustrating part is like, what was working before isn't working anymore. Right. And so you're like, you're relying on your past history and you don't have that learned yet new experience. And so, um, I, I, my journey really started with being that entrepreneur, hitting my head against the ceiling, not knowing where to go, not knowing where to turn. And I started listening to a lot of advice in a lot of places. And I didn't realize till quite a bit later that, um, that advice wasn't the correct advice for me, given where I was. Right. And so you hear, you read all these books and you, you hear all this, this stuff on this podcast and you're like, oh yeah, I, ju I just need to be doing pay-per-click ads. 
well, no, I like <laughs> what we were doing. That wasn't the right medium and the right. And so I think, I think that's the first step of the journey is really understanding where are you at um, in that journey and like which pieces of your organization do you need to shore up? And so um, I went about it a, a kind of crazy path and went all over the place. And what I ultimately came down to is you got to get back to the basics and you really have to simplify. And, um, and so that's where I, I ended up finding EOS, which is the entrepreneurial operating system. And they just teach these six key components of your business that you need to be strengthening. Um, but one of the pieces that we teach is that in order to break through that ceiling, you as a leader and your teams need to learn these five leadership abilities. And so you've got to get better at simplifying. That's the number one thing I would say is if you feel like you're hitting against the ceiling, where is it that you've overcomplicated things? Um, you have to get better at a leader as delegating. And so we all know that, you know, letting go of the vine, delegating is probably, uh, you know, one of the hardest things as entrepreneurs, because we have the vision and we want to have that control. Um, and we think we know the best way to do it, but uh, there is healthy ways to delegate. And that's really what you're going to need to do in order to, to get past that barrier. Um, you need to get really good at systematizing things, right? And so we all hear about processes. Um, and then you need to make sure, of course, that um, that you're, you have the right structure for your organization. Because I think a lot of times uh, the size that we are and the way we're structured works for that first phase or stage, right? And then as we start to scale and we start to grow, well, that means we have to change. And that means that the people are going to have to change because the people who got you here aren't going to get you there. And so there's just these leadership abilities that, um, you know, I think that we, we just, sometimes we try and make it overly complicated and, oh, we've got to learn all this leadership stuff and culture stuff. And it's like, you know, if we really just start by sitting down and going, okay, do we have the right structure for our organization? Um, you know, are we simplifying? Are we delegating? You know, do, are we really systematizing things as best we can, um, can really help, you know, entrepreneurs break through that. But I think it starts with understanding where you are and where you want to go. For sure. And again, we all experience that hitting the ceiling, butting up against the wall, uh, having that frustration and any entrepreneur or solopreneur, you, you know, that feeling very well. Um, and it's one thing to, to kind of hit your stride and, and you feel like things are going really quite well for a time. And then you start to scale and grow. And guess what? The whole game has changed <laughs> at that point. Well, I love Go ahead. Oh, I love this analogy. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Um, a hermit crab is, is basically never comfortable. And I think that this is like mm. a great analogy for entrepreneurship, right? Like when you first start, you're like in this shell, that's too big for you. And you kind of feel like an imposter. And then you kind of get to a place where like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing. And then you start to feel too tight in your shell and you have to step out of that. And you have to go find that next bigger shell. And that's like a really vulnerable place to be. Yeah. So I love that analogy is you, you think about, you're never really comfortable in entrepreneurship. <laughs> That's right. And, and honestly, I mean, I am a believer in lifelong learning and constantly pushing ourselves, getting out of our comfort zone and constantly upgrading your skills, your mindsets, all of that. And all of that comes from a place of just a little bit of discomfort and like too much discomfort and you get overwhelmed and you get buried and then you can't like process things and you can't move forward. But an appropriate level of discomfort is key to any learning and any growth. Yeah. And so I, I really like that analogy as well. And again, 
the, you know, the people who are on your, your startup team, they might be the same people that you can keep with you as you grow and scale the business, but they might not, <laughs> they very well mm-hmm. might not be. And you may be a great founder and a great, you know, at the startup stage, but you may not be the right person to lead this organization out as you continue to grow and scale. Uh, and so just having that realization, being honest with yourself and also pushing yourself to, to learn and grow as you go um, is really important. And maybe you, along with your startup team, maybe you can continue to develop your your competencies and capabilities so that you can lean into that change and that those difficulties and the challenges as you go through various stages and permutations and growth in the organization and maybe not maybe you need to uh you know find new people to fill out your team um to help you through that process but i think just being clear-eyed about it and being to, to realize that, yes, this is the type of pain that everyone is experiencing um, yeah. when they're starting a business, when they're growing a business. And it's okay to feel that. Like you don't need to feel imposter syndrome or feel like you're doing something wrong because this pain exists or because you're, you're having these challenges or difficulties. Pretty much everyone has to deal with that. Um, yeah. So just lean into it and, and then be you know, realistic about what the needs are moving forward as you're transitioning from stage to stage. Well, and I think you nailed it with the the concept of um, you know that you're you're gonna grow during the entrepreneurial journey, um, and so it's making sure that you're open to that and that you uh, look at who do you really want to be as as a person, um, and then to say this is where I function best and where I operate best, and and if you're a lifelong learner and grower and you love uh, working out, like the the whole the pain analogy, right? Of it's working out. You gotta you gotta rip those muscle tissues apart, and it's painful for a little bit, but then you grow back stronger. And so if you enjoy that and and getting growing and strong, yeah, absolutely, you can push through that ceiling. You can learn new things. You can make new connections. You can develop yourself. Um, but there's no shame also in just saying. There are other people out there that are wired to, to do this other piece, this next piece that our organization needs. And I think, um, you know, in EOS, we talk a lot about right people, right seats. And so there's two, there's really two big components in my mind is that the first is about culturally, what do, why does this organization exist and how are we going to function and operate and being really clear on what those cultural values are and then coming in and saying, and who are the right people for that seat? So I need sales help. That person, the seat, the function of the sales role is winning new business. And that is what you're accountable for in that role. Well, if you're not wired to do that, if you're like a visionary and you're constantly learning, you may be good. You may be a people person. You may have great connections, but at some point your organization is is limited by your abilities. If you don't say, you know what, there's somebody else out there who's wired literally just to go do sales all day, every day. And I'm operating at my tens. I'm operating at my best and highest use when I'm leading as a visionary. And so um, the other thing I think we can, we confuse is the concept of leading versus managing. And so uh, I would love your perspective, John, like, do you, do you even distinguish the difference between leading and managing? Oh, for sure. I think they're completely different ideas. Um, I, I manage processes. I manage systems. Um, you know, there are things that I need to manage. And I need to stay on top of in terms of logistics and and uh, project management, those sorts of things. When I'm leading, when I'm leading people and teams, uh, it's something entirely different. Uh, I, I'm hopefully creating a dynamic environment and culture that's psychologically safe, where people feel empowered, where I'm leveraging 
and helping them discover their capacities and le leveraging, leveraging that capacity um, for yeah. the benefit of the individual and the team. Um, that's an entirely different skill set. You know, someone can be a really great systems person, a really great manager of process, a really great uh, manager, you know, of, you know, a project management path or whatever, um, and really, really stink at the leadership stuff and vice versa, right? And so, again, just being able to label things and be able to have uh, a clear understanding of what's needed uh, in different aspects, different roles of, of the business is going to be really essential. Uh, and, and a lot of people, you know, I, I think people hear about the distinction between management and leadership a lot, but in, in practice, when I look at organizations, most people who consider themselves leaders have title position uh, and those sorts of things in our, in a leadership role, most of them aren't leaders. They're, they're managers who are leaving a lot on the table in terms of potential of their teams. Yeah. Yeah. And what's, I, yeah, I didn't, I, you know, for a number of years, I didn't really understand the difference between leadership and management. And um, I think there's a statistic that like 80% of the, the world is, is wired to just be operators. And then I think like 15% of the world is wired to be in le be leaders. And then the, the remainder is like those innovators and those people who are really going to change the world, the inventors, right? Um, and so I think if you don't understand like which of those is your best and highest calling, then you're, you're, you feel that strife and you feel that struggle. And so, like, you know, bring it back to that concept of hitting the ceiling. Sometimes it's literally just, I just want to be an operator. And it, in, I think in society today, it's like, that's not okay. Like in order to make big bucks, in order to be important, in order, you know, all these, these things you were talking about psychological safety, right? We're all doing the things we're doing to meet some, some emotional need. Um, and so I think understanding ourselves and understanding what that emotional need is, is the first component to being a great leader. So I, you know, we could talk yeah, about psychological sure. safety all day. That's probably one of my favorite topics. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and leading an effective team is less about, uh, like a manager is, is managing stuff and like manipulating things. Right. And, and trying to put pieces in place and blah, blah, blah. Leaders. I don't see that, um, that kind of a mindset or approach is not going to be effective in most organizations and in most teams in the knowledge economy. Um, a leader isn't the expert in everything. Uh, they hopefully are, are surrounding themselves with really great, intelligent, capable people who all have their own areas of expertise. So the, me as a leader, it's less about me and how I'm managing all the different pieces. It's more about how I'm creating the culture, the environment, the atmosphere, the strategic vision, um, those sorts of things, and then putting in place mechanisms for open and transparent parent communication, for accountability and performance, coaching and mentoring, and those sorts of things. And if I can do that, I'm probably going to be a successful leader. Um, but if I don't, then I'm going to end up inevitably micromanaging people, um, bottlenecking, you know, I'm going to become the bottleneck of innovation and, and, you know, good improvements and, and the, the team's going to struggle. So if we're talking about a startup or, you know, an early stage entrepreneurial firm, and now you're trying to grow and scale, you might be able to get away with it when you have a team of five people, but now you have a team of a couple dozen people or 50 or a hundred people. And guess what? You can't, you can't function the way you functioned before and be yeah, effective. You nailed it.
You nailed it. And that's, I, that's literally, I, I am, I'm a firm believer that is why EOS exists because this problem is happening all over the world. And there's no, like, it's like, well, what do you do about that? Right. Cause it's like, oh yeah, that's great. You're right. I need to do that. But I, I, I'm a visionary. I'm not a systems guy. Right. And so how do you put a process in place? How do you put a system in place to make sure you're doing those things and that you're not being a micromanager, you know? And I think that's, that's, at the end of the day, that's why EOS exists. So the, the book is called Traction. It's by Gina Wickman. I don't know if you've read it or, you know, I would highly recommend it to anybody who's listening. Um, but the whole model is outlined there for you about the six key components. And, um, I, but it's, I think for, for me, it had to start with me understanding me as a leader, right? And me understanding what the emotional need, like what was I trying to get out of the business? And we all say it's money, but it's not, right? It's, there's something else, whether it's acknowledgement, approval, trust, relationship, connection. Um, so that's, I don't know, that's where now, like, I'm like, let's just start there. And um, yeah, it's psychology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, excellent. And we've talked a little bit about the accountability piece and just being clear about what's needed. Um, and I find that to be one of the trickiest and stickiest pieces uh, for a lot of uh, leaders in a lot of organizations, because they don't actually have a clear understanding of who the people on their team are, what their skills and capabilities are, what's actually needed, not just what may have been needed in the past, but what's actually needed today, what's going to be needed a week, a month, a year from now. Um, like. That's, that's not a static thing that's constantly evolving. And so, so holding people accountable to growth and change is really, really important. And frankly, most organizations, most leaders don't do that very well. And then the other piece then is, okay, now you're holding people accountable towards uh, accomplishing things and implementing things and actually changing and growing as they're going. How do you actually help them to do that? So you're not just putting out there this standard of, of growth and change and development, but you're actually supporting them in doing that. Any thoughts on how we can support our people in that change process as they're, and sometimes that includes, you know, the reskilling, the upskilling, the, the refining their capabilities so that they can help you and the business continue to, to succeed and in, in many cases grow and scale. Yeah. So this, I, I studied change a lot for a long time because I was running a change management company and I just kept asking, it started for me, the obsession with change really started because I was working at all these organizations and we were putting these 150,000 plus dollar technology systems in place because they were going to solve this big problem, like, like of lack of sales or something. Right. And so we'd put a big CRM system in place and we'd do all the technology work and then people wouldn't use it. <laughs> and then be like, oh, well, we need change management. We need to figure out how we're going to motivate people and how we have to get that. And, and for me, I, I started stepping it backwards and I started going, okay, so everybody says, oh, you got to get the leadership team on, on board. And it's all about having the, the leadership team and the key stakeholders and all that stuff. And I started thinking about it. We ask organizations and people to change and we don't think about all of the different personality types or those kind of uh, innate abilities that are really required to lead a huge, like to lead a good change effort. You have to start off 
by first of all, like doing benefits realization, like identifying why are we doing this project? And that really takes somebody who's got like that executive mindset, right? They're that kind of frontal loop. They can do a lot of the, uh, the envisioning piece of it. And then you have to take it to the next level and you have to say, okay, now we have to do stakeholder engagement. So who all is going to be impacted by this and what motivates them? So how are we going to talk to them? So it's the identifying who they are. And that's, again, that comes into like a little bit more of kind of that psychology um, background or understanding. And then we have to do all the requirements gathering. And like, so that's all the process stuff which requires somebody who's more quality and detailed and they're like probably a little slower. Well, that person's totally different than the person who should be coming up with the the benefits realization piece, right? And then when we we get clear on this is what we're going to create or the change we're trying to drive and here's the requirements and what we need to do, then we have to go do the work, right? And create it and then we and then we have to communicate. And so when we get into the communication piece, we're looking for um people who are trainers. We're looking for people who can do graphic design and who can illustrate complex com, uh, concepts very simply. That's a whole different skill set. And then we get into the training piece. Well, now you got to have like a teacher personality. And then we get into the actual operationalization, which is where the managers have to use it and run it. And that's when you have to have that manager mindset of like, I just want to come in and manage the thing. And so if I, I you know, if we think, if we stop and think about any change, obviously, if it's a small change, you don't go through that big, long process, right? But if it's a big change, you should have very formal steps in that process. And, and you need to be looking at who is on the team that's helping you lead the change and who has those different skill set skill sets and capabilities so that you can plug them in because you're going to get much better outcome when you've looked at it from all of those perspectives and you've included all of those people who have all of those great skill sets. And I think we all have some of those within ourselves, right? But again, it comes back to knowing yourself and going, I'm really good at the big vision casting. I'm not super great at the details. So that means I have to surround myself with somebody who's great at the details. And for personal change, it can be the same thing, right? I know I'm great at um, coming up with the meal plan. I'm not great at sticking to it. And so put some accountability partners in your life, um, get a coach, you know, those sorts of things to help you help you manage the change, but be really clear with them. What piece are you good at and what piece do you need them to help you shore up? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Tabitha, this has just been a really fun conversation. We've only scratched the surface. There's so much more we could dig into on this, but I also note the time and I need yeah. to let you go here in just a minute. So before we wrap things up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah, for sure. So um, TabithaShever.com is my website. So T-A-B-E-T-H-A-S-H-E-A-V-E-R. Um, and you can go out there and check out everything I'm up to. Um, and then, uh, you know, I guess my, my final word or my final topic would be um, if you are trying to lead change, if you are trying to grow a business, if you are trying to uh, break through that ceiling, go get the book Traction and read it. Um, if you want to do uh, the movie version of the book, I do a 90-minute um, overview version. Happy to offer that. There are 500 implementers in the United States. We're starting to go globally and internationally. So there are a ton of people out there that can help you. Um, and everyone in our community is helped first. And so um, get the help, learn the, 
that there, there are these components and there are people out there that, that want to help you on this journey. Cause we really want to see entrepreneurial leadership teams grow because we really believe that that's how, you know, communities and how the world's going to get changed. So take that action. Wonderful. Thank you again, Tabitha. It's been a pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Tabitha and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.